Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of yourselves. Beg your pardon, in expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Today, last week, uh, we've been talking about different characteristics of, of followers of Jesus Christ, of what we call disciples. Last week, we talked about a life of worship. Today, if you picked up, what was like, did you read here in the text, what was a common word you heard repeated in the text today? Test time, to see if you were paying attention. Generosity. Today, we're gonna talk about a life of generosity. Now, I don't remember this person, but I love this story uh, from former chaplain of the Senate, uh, U.S. Uh, Senate, uh, Peter Marshall. Some of you may remember that name. Peter Marshall was the chaplain of the Senate. He told a story about a man who came to him one day. I, I don't know if it was a senator or a Congre- uh, someone from Congress or not, but he came to him and said, uh, chaplain, you know, when I made $20,000 a year, I had no problem tithing to God, to to God's people and to God's work. Now tithing, I'm gonna use that word a little bit today. Tithing is 10% of your income given to God. That's what we mean by that word tithe. If you've never heard that word before, it's kind of a churchy word. So giving 10%, he says, you know, it was okay for me, it was easy for me to give 10% of my income when I was making $20,000 a year. But now that I'm making well over $100,000 a year, it's, it's hard, I just can't find myself able to tithe anymore. Would you pray for me? So Peter Marshall said, sure, I'll pray for you. So he bowed his head, he put his hand on the man's shoulder and he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, I pray that you would reduce this man's salary back down (laughs) to the level at which he can be obedient to you again, right? And the guy like stopped him in the middle of prayer. He's like, no, wait a second, that's not my prayer. (laughs) But he got the point, right? You see, we struggle with it, and it's something that we struggle with. In fact, if you look at actual giving, charitable giving in America, you'll see this to be true. There's a chart, I pulled this off of the IRS uh, data, and this is all based on adjusted gross income. Keep that in mind. This is not about gross income or net or whatever, but your AGI, if you fill out, anybody here do their taxes? How many people don't do taxes? (laughs) 
All right, so just to be aware, adjusted gross income is after you get all these deductions from the IRS and government, then they, they tax you on that amount, right? So this is based on that reduced amount of your salary. So, but notice this, what happens, that the more people make in, in salary, the less they give as a percentage of income. Do you see that? And so if you make under $25,000, you're actually giving more than 10% of your adjusted gross income. You're giving 12.3% Americans are. When you start making more than 25,000, it goes down to 6.8%. When you start making 50, 75, it's 4.8, and then 3.8, and then 3%. And then people making 200 to $500,000 give percentage-wise 2.6%. Now the amounts look different, right? But I would ask you this question, is it equal generosity compared to what you have and the amount that you give? See what I'm saying? So the amount, the dollar amount might be higher, but the percentage that you're actually giving out of your income is lower. Now I will give this up. I did pastorally make a modification to this chart. If you look at the next level, people who make 500,000 to a million, it starts to go back up a little bit. And it goes up a little bit more and once you make over a million dollars. So if everybody could just become millionaires and just start doing it, that'd be great. So. But I'm just kidding. But what I'm saying is that in general, what is that about? What is, it, what is it that makes it harder? Because we all think, this is the way I think anyway. Do you think this way? When I make some more money, I will be more generous. How many people have had that thought? I've had that thought, right? And so we wait to be generous or we think when we have more money. But this shows that really we don't become more generous, Uh, statistically speaking. And so what's going on? That's exactly what was happening when Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthians were wealthy people. They had more to give. They had the opportunity to give, and yet they were holding back. They were kind of reluctantly giving this gift to the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul actually, before this chapter, has said to them, you know, this church over here called the Macedonians, they are in poverty, and they gave so generously, right? It reminds me of that chart. You know, the, the Macedonians over here, they're giving out of their poverty and they're giving this generous gift and, and I'm having to pull generosity out of you Corinthians who have so much more than the Macedonians and he's trying to encourage them to give and he's asking them to give and he's inviting them to give and, and Paul goes into, if you read this, there's a big section in the letter where he's talking about this idea of generosity and encouraging the Corinthians to be generous because they're kind of holding back. And I wonder what that's about in us. What's going on inside of us that that we hold back when God has been so generous to us and when God has done so much for us that we kind of hold back? Paul writes this great verse in Corinthians uh, verse seven, nine, verse seven, which you, some of you know, and it's a great verse that we all think about when we think about generosity. He says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Keep in mind that Paul was a Pharisee. He trained as a Pharisee, and so he would have remem- memorized word for word the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And he would have been reminding, I bet you he was thinking about Deuteronomy 15.10 when he wrote that verse in his letter to the Corinthians. And says this in 15.10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Again, Paul has said that, you know, if you reap generously, 
If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And so there's this idea of generosity all throughout the scriptures and Paul is reminding us of that. But I wanna point out two things in that verse that Paul gives us. One, he says, you have to make up your mind about generosity. Did you hear that? And it has to do with your heart. And that there's a connection between making this decision and letting your heart guide that decision. Did you, did you notice that? See, a lot of times we let our minds guide our financial decisions, right? We get out our calculators, right? And we calculate and we plan and we do these things. But that's not what Paul's saying. He says, what you have decided where? In your heart. So there's a connection. He's saying, let your heart, and that's where generosity flows from, let your heart guide your mind. Let your heart guide your decision. So I'm gonna talk this morning about the mind of generosity first and then the heart of generosity. So let's look at the mind of generosity first because I do think that to be generous, I actually have to make a decision to be generous. I have to make up my mind to be generous. I have to make that decision and I have to allow it to be guided by my heart. Now, I came across this idea of tithing many, many years ago. And at the time I came across this biblical idea of tithing or giving 10% of my income back to God. I, I wrestle with that. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, 10%, that's a lot of money. Even when you're only making, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year, you know, when I was first starting out. And so I think about that and I think about how that was hard to take in. That, and I, I wanna just say that out loud. It's hard to think about that for some of us because we've never done that before. But I began to say, and as I listened to my heart and I listened to God, I began to say, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna make a decision that I'm gonna work towards becoming a person who gives at least 10% of their income back to God. Because God said to me, right? God said all of us actually, love the Lord your God with a what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And I wish Jesus had said wallet, but Jesus didn't say that, right? <laughs> But isn't that a part of what's in our heart, right? Jesus said you can't love two things, money and God. You have to decide in your, where, you, where your heart is, there your treasury. I mean, Jesus taught a lot about money. And so I began to say, what does it look like for me to love God? So again, what's my heart saying, right? My heart is guiding this decision. It's my love of God that is guiding my decision to want to honor God and glorify God and give this to God. So I began to pray and every year we'd pray and we'd say, okay, God, this year we're at 3% of our, and we looked at, I'm gonna tell you this, you may not like it, but we looked at gross income. We didn't look at net or AGI. We said, what would it look like for us to give 3% of our gross income back to to God's work in the, in the church and in the world. And so we began to pray about this. So one year it was 3%, next year it was 4%, next year it was 5%, next year it was 10%. And, I, and sometimes, some years we've been able to go beyond 10%, sometimes we dip a little bit below, but that, below, but that is always our, our, our kind of standard by which we're trying to honor God because we love God with all our heart and our mind, our soul and our strength. And so it's a reflection of our relationship with God. Now, I came across this in the Old Testament, actually, Malachi 3.10, may be familiar with you, says this. Bring the whole tithe, 10%, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And that's where I kind of said, oh, you, you, the Bible says that? <laughs> 
And as you read, you begin to realize that the Bible has a lot to say about giving and money and how we handle our finances. Now, some people have come to me and said, Pastor, you know, Jesus never taught tithing. Jesus never said anything about giving this 10%. So, you know, they, and they would go to this verse in Paul and said, we're just supposed to be cheerful givers, right? And um, I, said to my, I said to myself, you're right. Jesus never taught 10%. Stay with me here. Let's go to the story of the widow's mite. When she put the widow's mite in the offering plate, how, what percentage of her income did she give? 100%. So let's go with Jesus' teaching, how about that? (laughs) Or when Zacchaeus met Jesus in the tree and came down and went to his house, how much of his income and how much of his wealth did he give back? 50%. So you wanna stick with Jesus on this? Or you wanna go with Pastor Matt, right? (laughs) So I just, just question, right? But I would say that the verse that really keyed me in on this is Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Now, what was happening when Jesus said that was this, that Jesus was saying, look, there's this coinage system. It's got the picture of Caesar on it. They were under this Roman system of coinage, right? But they were still also under the temple system or the agricultural system of giving back to God their, their harvest, their, their, their lambs, their goats, and always to give the best and the first of those things to give 10% of their flock or 10% of the harvest back to the temple system. And so they were under these two systems. So, what, so the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus into getting him to say, don't pay taxes, right? or don't do that, and then he would be in trouble with the Roman government, and then they could crucify him. So they had this whole plan to try and trap him. He gets out of the trap, and he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and what is God, what is God's. Now, when he says, give to God what is God's, in the context of that day, in the context of those two systems, when he says that, what do you think he is saying? He didn't specify 10% or a tithe, but that's what he implied, right? Everybody who heard it would have known, okay, we gotta give to God that which is God. So he wasn't undermining the, what the Old Testament has taught. He was actually re-emphasizing what the Old Testament taught. And again, unlike some other popular pastors, we're not unhitching the Old Testament from the New Testament, if you've been reading along those lines. So I would say this. So here's how this works, though. So this idea of tithing. So you may have noticed there's something on the altar this morning. Did anybody count? Did anybody get to cue in here, right? How many apples are on the altar? Ten, right. And so we're gonna call this God's apple, right? The first fruit, right? That's why I put it here. It's the first fruit, it's the 10%, it's the tithe that we're, that we're encouraged to give to God and to be generous to God with, and, we, and we to, we're to do that, right? And then we're to live on the other nine apples, basically. And so God says, test me, trust me, know this. So get, you know, take this, offer this, and then live on this nine. I would actually add to this that take one of these apples and put it into savings, right? And live on the 80, eight other apples, right? That's just be my little advice. But so why, the problem I think, the reason that we have a hard time with this idea of giving 10% is that we do some things in our thinking about money and being generous and giving, financial giving, that we do that makes this harder. And I'm gonna show you what we do. The first thing we do is that we don't make a decision to give first. We don't make a decision to be generous first. What we do is this, we take God's apple and we move it over here 
and we put the, we rearrange the apples. And what we do is, well, God, if I have anything left over, I'll give it to you, right? So if I, if I pay all my bills and I pay all my mortgage and I pay, I'll take care of my family and do all these other things, and if I have an apple left, I'll be sure to give it to you, God. So that's the first thing. We make a decision to give last. We make a decision to put off giving, to we put off generosity, and that is a decision of the mind that we become, and that's what makes us reluctant, like the Corinthians, to give. And so the problem with that arrangement is this, and God knows me so well, knows us so well, this is what I would do, I don't know if this is what you do, I'm gonna assume that, is that when we, not only do we rearrange the apples, but then the world happens, right? Life happens, and marketing happens. Tesla is about to come out with a, new car that's a little bit more closer to my price range. Not quite in my price range, but did you know Tesla's coming out with a new car? And it's gonna be like $40,000 instead of $80,000, did you know that? And so, what does Matt think about that? Hey, and I think to myself, you know, if I stretch a little bit, I could buy that Tesla. But if I have this arrangement, here's what happens. I'm like, where am I gonna get the extra money to pay the extra, the more payment, the higher car payment that I'm now gonna have if I decide to buy this car. Because I can't afford it on my nine apples. Let me just be honest with you. I can't afford the new Tesla on my nine apples. But you know, if I've left God's apple, then what I do is like, I'm gonna go buy the car. I make a decision to go buy the new car to pay the higher car payment. And I say, and this is what I end up doing. And I'm not thinking I'm taking away from God, but what I end up doing is taking a part of what I could give to God Mm, that Tesla is so good. <laughs> I feel good driving my new Tesla, right? Mm. You know, but it gets a little sour after a while. So I think about that, right? I'm enjoying life. I'm having a good time. I might even get a, well, I won't go there. And then... I'm walking through Best Buy one day and they got this new smart TV that's like 500,000 inches. <laughs> Takes up my whole wall on the side of my house. I put some lawn chairs out on the backyard and I just watch it, you know, and no, I'm just kidding. But I think I gotta have that new TV. But where am I gonna get the money? I'm paying mortgage, I'm paying car payments now, I gotta buy clothes, the kids gotta go to college. You know, I'm thinking all these things, so I'm thinking, I, I got a little extra money. I can buy that bigger TV. Mm. Boy, that looks good on my house. Come on over, let's have a party. I'll pick you up in my chest and we'll watch TV. <laughs> and then my wife, being the designer, fashion sense person she is. She says, honey, I saw this Gucci handbag online that I want to order. What do you think? I like, honey, I love you. You go for it. So where are we going to get the money? I, I don't know. We'll just slice another piece of apple. Now, my wife's riding in my passenger side of my Tesla with her Gucci handbag. We're picking you up to come over and watch our big screen TV. <laughs> We're living a good life. 
And then somebody comes along and says, God's people are in need. The church needs help or the mission field needs help or people are dying or people need Christ. Whatever that need is, we start to come to us and they say the need, say we need help, we need generosity, we need you to open up your hearts, we need you to give generously and so we offer to God a three-quarter eaten apple. I wonder how God feels. How would you feel if you got an apple that had already been eaten? Think about it. I'm doing good. <laughs> but how are God's people doing? I'm doing good, but how is God doing? <laughs> how have I loved God? How have I honored God with my generosity? How have I been generous? And who have I been generous to with this apple? Who have I been generous to? <laughs> Matt, <laughs> me. That's the, that's the issue, isn't it? That's why I think God wisely said, put my apple first. <laughs> because God knew what we'd do to his apple <laughs> if we left it last. That's what it is. And so, that, so we have to make a decision. Why? We have to make a decision to be generous before we get into the other apples. We have to make that decision ahead of time. And every time we plan to be generous, make a decision to be generous, we leave ourselves room to be generous. So we actually have to pull that apple aside and say, I'm not gonna touch this apple. This is God's apple. I'm gonna give it to God. I'm gonna keep it for God. And I'm gonna give it to God as God guides me and the spirit leads me. And so we do it that way. That's the mind of generosity. That's the decision about generosity. But here's the heart of it. There's a heart issue here, isn't there? Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Jesus said, there's a heart issue here. And the issue that Paul points out is the issue for us is the question and the test from Malachi and the point of Paul is this, faith. <laughs> what God says is, when you give generously, trust me. <laughs> Trust that I'm going to take care of you. Trust that the other nine apples will be enough for you. Trust that I will provide for you. He's saying, have faith. <laughs> know that, and this is not a, by the way, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is a provision gospel. This is a gospel that says that if you're generous as a person, if you're generous with what God has given you, God will take care of the other nine. <laughs> God will provide for you. God will take care of you. Your nine may look different than somebody else's nine, but God will provide those nine apples. So he says, let that be, trust that God will provide and take care of you as you are generous and you're able to be generous to others. The other thing that Paul points out here is that not only is the heart of generosity a heart of faith, but it's also a heart for witness. Because what he's appealing to the Corinthians and he says, look, if you give generously, guess what other people are gonna see your generosity and it's gonna point them to God. It's gonna help them to see the kind of God that you serve and follow is a generous God. So your generosity becomes a witness. Last week we talked about how worship is a witness. Again, we see that our generosity can be a witness. He says in verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That when you're generous, other people praise God. 
I don't know if you've ever seen that when you've given. I don't know if you've ever been generous to somebody. I've been, there have been times when I've been able to be generous to somebody and give a gift to somebody and they're so thankful. And who do they, and I say, don't thank me, thank who? Thank God. And there I am thankful to God. I'm thankful for what God's doing and they are blessed and they rejoice. And you know, how do you think I feel about that? Cheerful, <laughs> joyful, right? Now, the thing I think that we as Christians, I think about this is that, you know, our witness, about our witness, and I, I used this illustration before, you may have heard it, but there are times when I tip generously at a server at a restaurant and I didn't get good service. Why would I do that? Why would I give a generous tip to a server and I do this on occasion and often, I don't know how often I do it, but I always try and tip well because if my server sees me, my family praying before our meal and I leave a lousy tip, what is my witness? <laughs> or, I've, and sometimes I'll get lousy service, but the reason I'll tip generously is because I've been watching that server get harassed by other customers and I just wanna encourage that server so I leave them a good tip because I know they're not gonna get a good tip by these people that have been complaining over here at this table. And the reason I'm not getting good service at my table is not because of the server, but because of that table. And so sometimes I'll be generous and say to them, you did a great job. I know it's a tough night. Here's a good tip. Thank you for your service, right? That's generosity. It's not about getting served, is it? It's about how can I bless and be a witness to someone else? How can I be generous? How can I help them to see God? because I love God and I want them to love God too. And I hope that they'll love God too so I become generous of spirit and finances. And the other thing Paul says is what? That it's the heart of it is joy, joy. You know, is giving joyful? <laughs> I think it is. For me, giving is a joy. I know it's not a reluctant thing for me. I think about how can I bless? How can I be joyful? How can I help others in my generosity? And that's really what I think about when I think about what happened to Jesus. You know, before he was crucified, a woman, prostitute, came in to a room with his disciples and she took a, nard, a jar of nard perfume worth how much? Do any Bible students here remember this study? Remember what, how much was that perfume worth? A year's wages. I, I think about that. Have you, have you seen the money shots, you know, in the music videos where they take the cash and they just kind of, yeah, have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about? I see this woman going into the room, if, you know, to reinterpret for today, modern day, take, think of her having a wad of cash and just showering it over Jesus as she goes in there. You know, that's really what she's, she took a whole, all her years, a year's wages, right? Think about all the money you make in one year and giving it to Jesus. <laughs> Not because of any other reason that because you wanted to love Jesus. <laughs> that's really what was going on. Why was she doing that? Because she was so thankful that Jesus had healed her and freed her. She was responding in joy and gratitude and thankfulness. And what was it? Because Jesus had done so much for her, she wanted to be generous and extravagantly generous to him. I think about that. That's generosity, isn't it? And who, who's in the, if you remember that story, who's got the calculator out? 
the treasurer, Judas, who says, you know, we could have fed a lot of poor people with that. What was he doing? What was his heart? Where was his heart? Well, it says to us that he was actually taking a little bit, skimming off of that treasury, right? So he was thinking of himself, right? But I think about that. What Jesus is saying is what she's doing is generosity. It's love. It's gratitude. It's joy. We're not getting in the way of that. Generosity is to be that way. I experienced this just recently. I was, uh, back in April, I was in Discovery Park out for my weekly jog. I don't even call it a run anymore. But I'm out jogging and it's the first sunny day in April. It's about 70 degrees. It's the first sunny day. Now I've been jogging every week in Discovery Park up to this point. And every, you know, I go through the park and I very, have very little interaction with people as I run in the rain and the fog and the, and the drizzle. But on this particular day, on the first sunny day of spring, as I jog through the park, I would say 90% of the people said hello to me and began to say, hey, great day. They were all responding. Hey, good morning. Great day. How are you doing? Keep up the good work. Keep, you know. I was like, I came home and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> I, I was there last Friday. Nobody said a word to me. And now the first day, it's sunny, it's 70. Everybody's talking to me all of a sudden. Now it's going back to the other way, right? But what I, I, I began to say is that people were just joyful. Why were they joyful? The sun was shining. The, war, the air was warm. People could wear short. I mean, people were just rejoicing, right? Because of this gift. What does Paul say that the heart of our generosity is? He says this, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What do you think Paul's talking about there? He's not talking about financial gift. He's talking about the gift of Jesus Christ, the son, S-O-N. He's talking about the gift, the generous gift of God that pours out grace upon grace upon grace upon grace abundantly into our lives. And generosity, a life of generosity flows from gratitude for that gift. And I think about that gift and how much God abundantly gives to us and our generosity is a reflection of God's generosity. What kind of God do you worship? A generous one? I do. Let's pray together.